In this morning's Torah reading, immediately following the initiation, the inauguration of the sacrificial cult and practice, two sons of Aharon, Nadav and Avihu, each took his fire pan, put fire in it, laid out incense for the offering, and then the Torah says, Vayakriru Adonai Ish Zara, and they brought forth before God an Ish Zara, a strange fire, a Sherlotziva Otam, for which they were not commanded to do. Vatetse Ish Adonai, and pillar of fire, array of fire, fire emanates from God in heaven, and consumes them before God. Consumes them. This strange fire, the death of Nadav and Avihu, has puzzled rabbis, Jews, for generations. This is one of those sections of the Torah that has more commentary on it than any other. What did they do that was so wrong that it would warrant that kind of response from God, no less? An ash, a fire from heaven, v'tochal otam, that consumes them. What's even more puzzling is Aaron's, or rather is Moshe's, response. Aaron just witnessed the death of two of his children by the hand of God, no less. And Moshe, Moshe comes before Aaron and says, Vayomer Moshe al Moshe says to Aaron, Who has shared the more? This is what God has said. Bikrovai ekadesh through those that are near to me, I shall be made holy. I shall show myself holy. And gain glory before all the people. Not exactly, not exactly words of comfort. And Aaron's response is telling. Two words. Vayidom aharon. Vayidom aharon. Aaron is silent, doesn't know what to say. Rabbi Herod Kushner, in the commentary below the line of the Eitzchayim Chumash, he suggests a variety of reasons for Aaron's silence. Perhaps the Torah just doesn't call attention to silence. That Aaron maybe just accepted God's decree without protest. Or that the anguish was too much to put into words. He was so shocked by what had occurred, he couldn't speak. Or maybe he was tempted toward anger at the unfairness of what had just occurred, but bit his tongue because he understood that he needed to remain silent. Uh, my sister-in-law, Jill, suggested something at uh, the, the table the other night. Um, Jill suggested that maybe Aaron's silence was related, not only Aaron's silence, maybe Moses' insensitivity 
to what had happened in Aaron's silence was related to the fact that, yes, Aaron and Moshe were brothers, but they didn't really know each other. They didn't grow up in the same house. Moses grew up in the palace and then fled, and Aaron grew up in the house of slaves. And so maybe this whole interchange and exchange was brothers just not really understanding each other. Perhaps the text is also suggesting that in certain circumstances, there's more power in silence than in words. Certainly, when loss can be overwhelming, I think that is the case. I often counsel people when they're going to pay a shiva call. We sometimes want to say things. We want to find the right words to comfort. And we risk when we do that saying things that are inappropriate. It's better just to be present. Simply express a sorrow for a person's loss and to be there to hug them, to hold them, to provide food for them, take care of them, and to sit, sometimes in silence, is the most important thing to do. And other times, it's because the loss, the nature of the loss is just overwhelming. You're numb by the enormity of what it is that you're experiencing. There is an article that appeared in Ynet, which is Yedidot Achronot, Israel's largest newspaper. It appeared just before Pesach. Um, I printed it out. It's called Remembering the Victims Taken by Two Months of Terror. 18 people, it's now 19 people, have lost their lives in vile terror attacks in less than three months, committed by Palestinian militants and Israeli Arabs. The article simply prints the names and the events of the terrorism that took their lives. And I read this article and I was silent. I was numb. 19 people with the loss of Lucy D dying from her wounds just on Monday. January 27th, seven people killed going to shul on Kabbalat Shabbat. February 10th, a car ramming in Jerusalem killing two young brothers. February 13th, February 26th, the Yaniv brothers killed in Huara, setting off a pogrom by Israeli extremists. February 27th, March 9th, April 7th, April 9th, and more. Vayidom. What words of comfort can we possibly bring in the faith of such enormous, tragic, unnecessary loss of life? It's overwhelming. Too much to put into words. And exacerbated by political unrest in the state of Israel that leads also to a state of moral exhaustion. We're just so beaten down by the anxiety and the tension and the discussions and the debates and the protests and the rallies. And then on top of that, a wave of terror. It's exhausting. That's why perhaps Rabbi Leo D's response 
in the face of his enormous loss hit a chord that was so inspiring. Rabbi Leo D. is the rabbi in Efrat who had the most recent, one amongst the most recent losses due to terror in Israel. It was, he was driving ahead with members of his family and the car behind was his wife and two of his kids. And there were terrorists who wanted to shoot at a car and cause an accident. And they did. And when the accident happened, they weren't satisfied. They came down and they finished the job unloading their weapons into the car. His two daughters, Reina and Maya, rather, and Rina, died instantly, and Lucy was taken to the hospital and she died on Monday. And I just remember feeling so sad listening to Leo at the eulogy of his wife talk about how his family of seven was now a family of four. Vayidom. What do you say to that? How did he find the strength to get up and deliver eulogy for his family in the midst of such utter despair? And yet, what did he say? What did he say? He asked everyone in Israel and Jews around the world to take a photo of an Israeli flag and post a message of hope. That's what he asked for. And within 24 hours, social media blew up with photos of Israeli flags and messages of hope. Not hundreds, not thousands, not tens of thousands, not a hundred thousand, but a million posts of Jews around the world and in Israel of flags and of hope. He took his despair and he created a call of action of optimism and hope. And David, David Kerwin, who I quoted at Yisker, he noted that the same flags that people use to post photos of themselves in response to Rabbi D's call were the flags that protesters were using for the last 14 weeks in Tel Aviv, both against the government judicial reforms and for the government judicial reforms that Israelis, no matter which side of the issue that is dividing them at this moment, took those same flags and in a unity of grief for a member of their community and Israeli society, turned those flags from signs of protest to signs of hope. From division to unity. It was amazing. Rabbi D was not silent. Yes, he expressed his grief. You could hear it. You could feel it miles away. But yet he somehow had the inspiration to see within this moment an opportunity for shalom. The word shalom, by the way, we understand it as peace. But it's shorish, shin, lamed, mem, 
really means complete, to make whole. Lishalem is to make whole. To have peace is to take things that are in pieces and to bring them together in wholeness. And that's what he did with this call. Yes, tonight Israelis are going to be on the street again. And those same flags that were brought together in a unity of grief are going to be again symbols of opposition. But there's power in that symbolism. And there's power there. And Rabbi D brought that to our consciousness and attention. The Parsha, I think, also gives us a sense of optimism in what is otherwise a devastating story of despair, an unexplainable loss of life of Aaron's sons. The Parsha is called Beyom Hashmini, on the eighth day. On the eighth day. Which day is the eighth day? If you think about it in the context of creation, God creates Yom Echad, the first day, Yom Sheni, the second day, and so forth. Yom Shabbat is the seventh day. And then what is the next Sunday in Hebrew? It's Yom Rishon. What is the eighth day? Yom Hashmini is Yom Rishon. It's the first day. It's the day of renewal. It's the day of renewal. That's why, by the way, Brit Milah, circumcision, occurs on the eighth day. There is a very real concern in the ancient world that if a baby would live a week, the eighth day would be the day of renewal and the chances of survival grow exponentially after that. But Yom Hashmini is the day of Brit Milah because it's the day of renewal, the day of new opportunities. By Yom Hashmini, the very name of the Parsha, it's beginning with an inauguration of worship, presents us with an opportunity, a new cycle of living, new opportunities, which always provide us with hope. And I suppose that's the message that I want to impart upon all of us today at this moment. Though we may be feeling morally exhausted, and perhaps also physically exhausted from Pesach as well. But Yom Hashmini, on this Shabbat, with this Torah reading, in spite of all the events that are happening in the world, including in our beloved Israel, there's always the possibility for hope, always the possibility for unity, always the possibility for peace. Ken Hiratzon, may that be God's will. And may we play our part in bringing it about.